Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Got a great guest with a or a great stream with a great guest. I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, joining me today is Mark Granza. He is the founder and the editor of a great uh, publication called I Am Seventeen Seventy Six. If you haven't been reading that, you really should fix it because they have all kinds of great people over there. And I'm not just saying that because he was one of the first people to publish my work. But Mark, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Grant. Uh, it's great to be here, man. Thanks. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to get into all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk about uh, anonymity. We're going to talk about Jordan Peterson and kind of his critique of it. And, and kind of as someone who publishes an ana a bunch of anonymous people, kind of what you think about it, that kind of thing. But before we get into all of that, I want to know, how did this all get started? Kind of what's your backstory? How did you end up uh, founding I Am 1776 and bringing so many interesting voices together? Um, it was kind of random, I would say. Uh, it wasn't definitely like planning. It wasn't like in the making for like years. I never really like pictured myself uh, doing this sort of thing. Up until it was like 2020. Uh, that's when we launched the magazine. And, uh, you know, by then I, was, I spent like uh, basically that previous like couple of years, like going down a, a rabbit hole and basically um, becoming like very disillusioned with the, the conservative movement and, and not encountering any sort of like meaningful resistance to what I was increasingly perceiving as some, you know, like a, as a as a threatening and, and very tyrannical, uh, you know, form of like culture and and um, and um, by, by the left, essentially. And, and I wasn't encountering anything uh, in the mainstream that was like meaningfully opposing or like evenly accurately describing the nature of what was what was happening around us. So I, I, I got on Twitter and uh, and I started coming across a lot of like, um, you know, for the purpose of the conversation as well, since we're going to talk about anonymity, a lot of these people are anonymous and or like dissident right that tend to be even like post-liberal at the beginning, people that were just starting to criticize more accurately the um, essentially what 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 the nature of the corruption that we were facing was about. And so <clears throat> by 2020, uh, obviously the, the lockdowns began and I was like already like very much on the the fringes of the acceptable discourse you know like bordering on the uh the very unacceptable one and uh and and then and then also like the riots in 2020 the, in the summer of 2020 the Floyd riots and uh, i i got more and more online obviously because of the the lockdowns so i became like basically a recluse and i was just like online all the time and i had this blog where i was completely neglecting because also like i'm not like this uh like super insightful uh, writer or, or anything, but I had this, I built this website for some reason. I had this blog, uh, and and I thought to myself, if I'm like currently unable really to like coming up with anything really insightful myself or like um, um, potentially you know fruitful for the conversation, I was like, well, what am I gonna do with this website? That's when I got the idea, basically of like essentially giving it to other people. And so I literally just got an idea like that while talking with a friend on on Facebook. And I said, I'm just going to launch a website. And basically, I started reaching out to some of these people that basically this network of, you know, anonymous account and so somewhere anonymous, some not. And I started spreading the voice. I was going to launch a website. And basically, like two weeks later, I, I, I started in the website. But yeah, there was basically no, no, no nothing really in my um, background or, or um, my really upbringing that would ever suggest that I would find myself in this position. Quite, quite the contrary, actually. I, I, um, I just happened 
you know, to see the opportunity and, and I wanted to do it and I, and I, and I find it meaningful to do it as well. So it's, it's really rewarding in many ways as a work. So that, that's how I got started basically. Well, and I think that's so important because, you know, so many people ask me, you know, what can I do? How can I be involved? I'm not a writer. I'm not going to make video content, that kind of thing. You know, they think that the only thing that you can do is commentate, but actually there are things that are far more important. Guys like you that are bringing people together, providing a platform, organizing, you know, you say, okay, me, myself, I'm not going to write a bunch of these big pieces, but you're facilitating something that otherwise wouldn't exist. That's the great thing, I think about I am seeing I am 1776 is it has this ability to bring top tier big names like you know Michael Anton or people like that on board but then you also have guys like zero HP Lovecraft you know showing up on the same publication and that's what gives it, it, it that's why it's always introducing something very interesting to the public and a face that I think otherwise wouldn't be available and you know like you said even though you don't have a background in something like that facilitating that meeting space creating that is super important for what's going on right now yeah totally thanks man and also um i, I would say like i totally agree and also uh, for me personally it was like a moment where i essentially you know i had the sufficient humility that i never really had in my life i wasn't really like a humble guy i was actually pretty arrogant and and i, and I paid a high price for that actually in my my early 20s but uh, essentially, I was going like down, essentially a, a self-discovery path. You know, like you, you, I had to, I had to really hard, learn it the hard way that I wasn't going to be, uh, it wasn't exactly, you know, going to be neither an intellectual or like a public figure in the sense that you know the solution was going to come from me. And and once I once I found the humility to understand that you know that that whatever I was going to do to improve the situation wasn't going to be I was going to be at the forefront the way that I imagined I would, I would have been. That's where the, basically the opportunity like the idea came up. I mean, so yeah, I mean there are there are def, there are many ways you know that we don't just need like people that 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 you know that have the intellect to understand exactly what's going on or maybe like the educational background or the um you know the skills as a writer which doesn't mean that i can't write or you know i, I don't understand ideas but mm. you know if you if you, if you tend to be if you tend to be one of those those people and if you tend to think that you know you you can't contribute any other way but by commenting yourself it's not true you can create you know you can create networks you can facilitate as you put it you know um i i guess outlets where where people can find uh what, what you think is true which is really what what i was really my only uh, I guess maybe if not skill or definitely my my only um, uh, constant I would say like the only thing that I was looking at at the moment like I, I came to the point where uh, like all of the certainties that I thought was uh, of the way they understood society and the way they understood the the political landscape and I would say the cultural landscape as well they, they really like collapsed you know it was more like a like in the making for years, but like 2020 and like 20, I would say period between 2017 and 2020, everything like that I thought was true, not just about me, but about, but about society and everything really like collapsed. And so I was like, I was really open-minded. The only thing I was looking for was truth. So if, if you're the kind of person who can, you know, have the, I would say some degree honesty of, of pursuing the truth and pursuing what you think is good. And, and, and there, there are many things that you can do. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's that's really essential because like I think so many of us have that backstory, right? Where 
we were looking at things and they didn't seem right. And, and over time they were wearing away. But then like you, I hit that 2020 mark and that's when my eyes really were opened. And then we're all sitting here trying to figure out, okay, well, what's next? Like, what can we do about it? What, what meaningful thing can we do to understand or take action, that kind of thing. And so many people I think are just kind of sitting around on the sidelines waiting for someone to kind of like pick them up off the bench and say, Hey buddy, you're going to do this or whatever. But instead you're taking action. Right. And that, and even if you don't know what that action is going to be, and even if it isn't maybe in the original Avenue you want it to be, you can still make a difference by, by just getting in there. You never know what you know, I know so many people in this space now who are you know starting conferences and uh, creating networks so people can find jobs if they get canceled and just doing all kinds of work that's really essential for people to kind of survive in in this space through what we're going through. And it's not all just, you know, making videos and writing essays or whatever. And and so it's really great to hear that, you know, people like yourself are, are just picking up that ball and, and doing really important work. So let's go ahead and get to the actual topic here. So Jordan Peterson has a couple times gone after anonymity on the Internet. And I think there's a lot of reasons why. I think maybe, you know, understanding this guy is a public figure. He probably gets a lot of hate on a regular basis. Uh, you can kind of understand why you would kind of get fed up with this thing, but he comes at people really harsh, right? He's, he's not mincing his words. He's not just saying, Hey, you should have the courage to post your name or stuff on this kind of thing. He really goes at people who calls them trolls and demons, you know, all, all kinds of uh, you know uh, stuff. And it talks about how they have dark, you know, triad personalities and they're psychopaths and that kind of thing. And I thought you were the right person to talk about this because one, again, one of the things that makes your publication different and interesting is so many anonymous people are there. It's not everybody. In fact, I don't think it's even the majority of, of who you I, saw, I looked it up before joining the stream. It's like 20 to 25, 20 to 30 percent of the, yeah. the offer that we publish on our publishing with a pseudonym. Yeah, and so it's it's not the dominant thing of what you do, but it is an, a unique place that gives an outlet to some of the most interesting thinkers online right now who otherwise wouldn't be able to speak due to anonymity. So since you're someone who gives a platform, I was hoping you could kind of open up with just what is valuable about anonymity. How does it, uh, or why does it create interesting thinkers in a time like ours? Yeah, totally. Uh, I would I would say that actually I would start by I think there's a pretty meaningful distinction to be made that I don't think is made quite often enough between anonymous and pseudonymous accounts. Like technically, uh, I think like what Peterson is doing when he's going after the, I mean let let it aside let it aside the fact that I think is mostly like I, as I pointed out before I think he's mostly attacking anonymous account because it's essentially like. Um, attempting to keep promoting himself is, is essentially gatekeeping as he was like you guys were talking about in the previous term that I, that I listened to and is, 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 is gatekeeping and also try, attempting to promote himself as still like at the avant-garde of the like the counter countercultural and the like the, the, the most um, radical form of dissent uh, possible when when it, when it really is like it's mostly uh is mostly expressing views that have become pretty mainstream uh, and, and pretty wi widely accepted. And so to some degree, I think his, his attack is motivated by the, by this desire to to essentially gatekeep and, and, and promote himself uh, and, and, and and not recognize, not being willing to recognize that that if he really wants to be still, you know, at, at the avant-garde of the 
of the um, most mini meaningful form of dissent, he will have to really um, start changing some of his opinions and maybe like bringing them, uh, uh, making it a little bit more radical than he's not willing, uh, more than he's willing to do. Uh, but but I think like the, when it comes to like anonymous account, really, I was like looking up this lecture today uh, about like, uh, you know, essentially like breaking down the meaning of uh, what, what is a name, really. And he was talking about anonymous and synonymous account. Like really what, what most of like these um, people that we defend when we talk about the anon movement, like the anon right, they tend to be pseudonymous uh, as opposed to anonymous because the technical definition of anonymous is somebody that does, does not have a name. So let's say that you put something out there and you just like don't put any name and we just like put, put like a random name and that is it's not associated with anything that you ever published before and it's never going to be associated with anything that you're going to publish it's completely different from someone that has built some kind of identity on around like a pseudonym uh and 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 uh, and this is a it might sound like just like semantic but it's actually a meaningful distinction because essentially the main critique that people that someone like peterson has i understand is that there's no accountability whatsoever for what you say and and that's not really true for like pseudonymous account because like they there might not be accountability from like a legal perspective because they they can't there there's obviously like a like a layer of safety when it comes to like potential repercussion uh from from the state or 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 even like you know being getting cancelled the way they understand but getting cancelled like fired or uh, having some kind of like financial uh repercussion uh but but it still doesn't mean that there there's no there's no any form of repercussion like you still like if you're if you say something that is outright down but if it's stupid or or incorrect or immoral or just like cringe or whatever and you get you know criticized for it and you're essentially to the point that let's say you have to delete your own account i mean that's still a form of repercussion because like you you can't just like unless you're like an outright like a textbook sociopath you can just like create a new identity and just start studying over like your but people are gonna so supposedly you're going to be interacting with the same people Right, you're gonna want to interact with the same account, the same sphere that you were belonging to, and so it's a, I think it's a meaningful distinction because the the, the main critique that people these people have, this uh, essentially Peterson have, is that there's no accountability and there's no essentially incentive for people to behave in a way that is uh, productive for the discussion and is still like socially, uh, um, you know, decent and not like being like an outright troll or a psychopath or like I don't know what he calls them, like. Demons, he yeah, says. Literal uh, demons, he says. Yeah. No, no, even like social, like demons. Uh, so, yeah, that, I think I think like that's that's most actually most of the offer that we publish. They tend to be like pseudonymous account, if not all of them actually. We haven't. I don't really think we have really like published like an outright anonymous account. Like someone that just like, I guess if it's like a whistleblower or someone like someone like that could be like an anonymous account. It just like puts the information out there. Uh, we haven't really published any anonymous account. Most of the people, most of these accounts they obviously have this layer of security that you can't really trace them to uh like a like a real life and by that would mean like a legal name or like like a like a in real life person but they still have some kind of like if people want to double check if people want to check what they what they said before what they wrote before and get some kind of like idea of these people are there is some kind of like available personality online that you can uh that you can hold them accountable to some degree um so yeah that that would be like my, my, my starting point for this for this particular debate uh, as to the value of like dissonant uh like anonymous i guess if we say pseudonymous account is like uh i mean it's pretty obvious i mean that the main uh, the main argument in favor of anonymity is basically that you know these people tend to uh be less con constrained and less worried about what other might 
people might think of them either because they're not necessarily concerned about gaining like mainstream respectability or because like they obviously don't they're not um, accountable to the same degree. So they, they tend to be more truthful. They tend to express their opinion more clearly. Uh, they tend to be express the real opinion, I, I guess you can say, to the degree that they, they feel real to them, uh, than, than like, a, like a person writing on his own, his own name would. And yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got that experience with, um, like we published a few articles, like a few that comes to mind, for instance, like, the you know Schwab, this is a kind that goes by Schwab. They published like an article on MK Ultra. That's not the kind of article that you that you would easily get out of someone who published on this on this real name. Maybe now, yes, because like it seems like even MK Ultra has been kind of like mainstream. You know, Tucker Carlson was talking about it. Mm -hmm. but even like someone like Corporate Medicine, this was this article was a critique, essentially the the cathedral, but like focus on the uh, on the on the medical industry and the, the healthcare industry by this actually practicing physician, right? And 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 essentially she, she would have published, she used to go by Paracelsus. If she would have published under her real name, I mean she would get instantly fired. And and um and so there's there's obviously like a value to to and and a, and a good reason for people to be to publish anonymously and, and obviously a value for for people in our position to find that kind of content that otherwise wouldn't be able wouldn't be easy to find. By well, I, I going and asking people that write on their, their own name. So I would say those are the obvious arguments in favor. Yeah, no, I think that distinction between anonymous and pseudonymous is really important because that that's a really good point that the idea of these people not being able to be held accountable is only true in the sense that you can't publicly destroy them, right? If they're people who want to build a reputation, who want to have credibility, you have to consistently present something that matters, right? You can't just go out there and say anything. You can't just go out there and throw bombs all the time because if you do, no one's going to take you seriously. And most of the guys that are writing, say for I am 1776 in that way, are people who have already built up a certain level of public trust. That's why they've been asked to to write in the first place so it's it's not real it's not true anonymity in the sense of oh there's just no, no one will ever know who posted this there'll be no chain of thought or context to what happened here someone can easily destroy their reputation and i've seen many people easily destroy their reputation as anons that happens all the time people flame out and destroy themselves and become laughing stocks as anonymous posters the only difference is they don't lose their job at the end of it right like and and exactly. so uh, yeah, and, and so that's really important when we Unless have... they get boxed and then they actually do lose their job. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing is we know exactly why people do this, like you said, because people, we, we do live under soft totalitarianism. Yeah, no one's carting you off to the gulag yet, you know, but they you will get completely canceled. You could get fired. Your family could be destroyed. People might uh, keep you from doing banking now, right? This is something we see, like people unable to buy or sell things, you know, because they, they have the wrong opinions publicly, right? And so I, I think when a guy like Peterson looks at this, I think the reason he approaches it the way he does is his own personal experience, right? Because Peterson did go through a kind of cancellation, right? He was very publicly attacked for what he said. He was called awful names. People protested him. People, you know, slandered him. Uh, all kinds of stuff happened to him. And he thinks to himself probably, hey, I did this under my real name. I stood up and was counted. I did what I should do. 
and everything was fine. But I think the big difference for Peterson and like your average person is Peterson was already of a really high social standing, right? He's already a guy who had a lot of prestige, taught a lot at at big universities, uh, you know, and so when he was canceled, what he did was immediately turn that into a bunch of fame, a giant speaking tour, big book deals. You know, he turned into a, you know, multimillionaire, I'm sure, at this point, off of this cancellation. And I'm not taking anything away from his bravery or from his body of work in those I, times. I actually want to take something away from his bravery. Okay, go I, ahead, go ahead. Because I actually, uh, I, I have this, I mean, I obviously can only speculate to, to his... Uh, um, to his real reason for for doing this, and I, and with this I don't mean to say that it wasn't brave at all, but uh, I actually remember coming across Peterson before. Uh, I wasn't exactly following, but I remember coming across him before even the whole like uh, gender pronoun uh, bill came up and he became vocal against it. Uh, he was actually already quite popular online, like he's, he was posting all of his lectures online. He already built the following. He had a Patreon account, so I had a pretty dedicated following. He had some kind of like safety net, and and obviously like Peterson is not exactly like a obviously it's not a stupid man, and yeah. and he must understand the the dynamics of like cultural and political discourse, uh, to, so, to some extent. And he, he might have he definitely probably didn't predict it that he was going to explode this big because I mean like look at him now. He's basically probably the most fa- is he like the f- most famous guy in uh like cultural cultural political discourse ever i mean i was like i saw him like you know posting a picture with like cristiano ronaldo which is like the most famous man on the planet basically uh and he was uh but you know he had some kind of like safety net and yet and and i think like while it was still to some degree obviously brave because you're still like putting your your real your opinion out there and you're opposing like the main cultural force uh, of society and actually speaking truth to power to some degree although it doesn't really like get that uh close to the truth as we, we might want it want him to be but it was still brave but i think i actually was uh uh it was it was i i i think it was partly called cal- like a more like a calculated calculated risk i think he knew that it was there was a pretty good chance that did the whatever he did it was going to increase his popularity and uh, and potentially even like uh you know elevating to the status of uh like an intellectual or more like a like a counter countercultural figure uh i i'm not again i don't mean to like i don't mean to obviously um say that you know it wasn't brave at all it was the opposite of bravery like cowardice it was like complete grifting or like or anything but i I think like you know you may ask most people today and the most people the way they, they perceive peterson before he became famous it was like most people feel like this unknown professors you know it just like out of nowhere it just decided to just speak the truth and this i think is like uh this is, i think also like this part part of uh, like a related problem and how mo- most of people argue against uh anonymity or like pseudonymous so, so, account uh they tend to actually make the argument that uh that you know essentially what they're doing and most of these people are obviously people that are already like engaged in, like as normally people don't bother like you know, participating in like anonymous versus real time debate. And most of these people are are cultural, political commentators, journalists, maybe essays, or like people that are engaged like in the content economy to some degree uh, that that we are also in. And they sort of like make the argument essentially what they're doing is speaking the truth to power to the same degree that let's say some like normie or like very like oppressed, lonely guy in some some uh, 
uh, it's like that guy from the Arab, Arab Spring, right? You know, that they basically set himself on fire, you know. They, they, sort, of, they sort of like, uh, uh, they sort of like conflate what they're doing with like some just guy who just want to speak the truth and potentially risk his whole uh, career and, and life even to, to essentially criticize the regime. I mean, there's not entirely what we're doing. I mean, I, I, probably, I basically use my real name and I'm not just like, um, I'm not just like attempting to speak the truth to some degree. It's like we're, uh, we're um, gaining and we're so like profiting, not necessarily financially, but so like uh, we're getting rewarded for our opposition to some degree. Because like you're, uh, you get elevated to uh, your status in the, I guess, commentary uh, industry or the like uh, publishing industry gets elevated the more truthful you are and the more courageous you are. So there's like a, there's like a return uh, on, on your, on the risk that you take, there's actually a pretty good return, you know? And mm -hmm. so, and, and, and I think like Peterson was, I, I think Peterson was pretty much aware that uh, he pretty, he, he knew or pretty much easily could predict that this was not going to be like the end of his career. So it wasn't like entirely like 100% brave. There was also, in my opinion, some, some form of like calculated risk that he took. And, and probably even like for his own sake, like probably he was just like sick of being in academia. That's commendable, right? Because like academia is a sick place. And so he probably thought that it was actually a pretty good opportunity to, you know, get some fresh air to sort so to speak and, you know, uh, explore new form of uh, venture and, 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 and um, for, for himself. So, yeah, I think this is actually, I think this is the crux of the, of the whole like economics versus like uh, real life, real life debate uh things like we're all engaged to some degree in this like content economy making and essentially the only real difference is that anonymous accounts tend to be uh they tend to be more uh free to express opinions like dissenting opinions and tra transgressive opinions that would otherwise uh get them in trouble if we publish on their real name and the downside of that is obviously that there is true there is some truth to the fact that this is sort of like encourages or like incentivizes or at least facilitates some kind of like uh form of like anti-social or maybe just like you know uh childish behavior or or uh, not careful enough behavior and on the other side of the debate is obviously the 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 opposite way i mean obviously they're more uh publishing only your name makes you more cautious and makes you more um I guess responsible or at least incentivizes you to be more responsible but the obvious downside of that is that you always have to be policing yourself you know not always right but the I like to think that I that I don't police myself in any way but that's not entirely true right uh and but I also don't do it I don't I police myself also because like form a as a form of like tactic because maybe I just don't think that saying out loud this this thing right now would have any benefit and will probably you know put maybe the, the people that write for us under you know attack you know for guilt by association and whatnot but these these I think are the the, the upside and the downside of both writing on your your real name and, and pseudonymously basically. Yeah I think that's true. You know you're right that you know Peterson probably understood that you know he wasn't just bumbling into this thing and happened to have arrived at this moment. I, I think there's probably some truth to that. But I think that the you know like you said we're all we're all limiting ourselves to some extent, right? Like we're always checking what we should say. Then that's a healthy thing, right? Like 
that it's it's healthy to know the limitations around you like you're not a complete you know sociopath like you notice the people around you you care about what they're going to think about you you care about what they're going to say you care about the ramifications of what you speak but the thing is that doesn't just disappear if you're doing it anonymously you know or, or pseudonymously like you said you know those those uh, pseudonymous accounts still because well first they ha- you know they have to work a lot harder sometimes because they have no connection to real life they can't like put a pretty picture up on their account so they have to kind of earn everything every bit of their reputation because they don't have a fancy title or a background or a family name or uh, you know good looks or something to propel them they they have to get their solely based on their ability to kind of post or, or write. Right. And so there, there's that aspect of it, but that means they also have to like be careful about what they say as well, because like their audience has expectations just because your interactions are online. Doesn't mean that they're without consequence, even if you know, your real name isn't out there. Right. Like the, the people who are reading your stuff, who are listening, who are understanding if you want to gain their attention and have respectability and credibility and, and something to say, you have to use discretion in what you say and how you communicate. And this is especially to an, a, true in a place like Twitter, which to this day is still like literally just banned Steve Saylor yesterday, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's right. You know, so it's not like even under Elon, you can just say whatever. And Steve Saylor wasn't saying anything he hasn't been saying for ever on that site. And all of a sudden he, you know, posts something and he's banned out out of nowhere. So it's not like anonymous accounts don't have to be careful what they say or how they phrase things. I mean, there are just straight up flame accounts, right? Like you can just go in and post all kinds of crazy stuff or scream at a celebrity or something. And then just jihad your account and boom, it's gone, right? Like that's a thing you can do, but that's that's a that's a short-term strategy, right? Like you'll never do anything of significance doing that. So if that's the only thing he's referring to, well, that's one thing, but I don't think that's all he's referring to, right? Like well, I think I think he's uh he's obviously conflating, he's obviously generalizing. That's his first mistake. Uh, mm-hmm. there are, I mean, there are actually anonymous account that behave like that. I mean, I think actually what is, uh, if I remember correctly, what basically triggered at least this last attack, which is, is done before against anonymity. Let, um, I had it here in front of me, like you said before, like I'm increasingly convinced that Twitter anonymity is the refuge of scoundrel and fiend. And fiend. You say it behind, say it and stand behind it or hold your tongue. This was like already like a, last year, like more than a year ago. But I feel like what basically prompted this last attack, it was, if I remember correctly, it was in, it was in um, response to an interview with Netanyahu. I think it was actually shortly after the old Kanye, you know, Nate and chocolate milk thing. Mm-hmm. And then I probably got a lot of like trolling accounts that were commenting uh, on YouTube, if I remember correctly. And I think essentially what it does, what it did is basically um, generalize based on those comments to everyone that is basically comm- using a pseudonymous name or uh, publishing having an anonymous account. I think that's his first mistake, but I also, this is not in defense necessarily, because I, I, as I said, again, I don't, I don't think he generally believes that you can generalize. I mean, he's a psychology, he must know this. I mean, uh, and, and he's purposely attacking and generalizing for, uh, and he's using the name anonymous account, uh, anonymous trolls, uh, and, and, and essentially even asking Elon Musk, if I remember correctly, I can't find that, I couldn't find that tweet before, but if I remember correctly, it was asking Musk, 
maybe either to ban them or maybe to like uh, ghost ban them or something like that, or maybe force them to reveal their identity. Or if not, they would just like being uh, hidden from from the time and something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was demanding us to do, but I think it's real. The real motivation to do that it boils boils down to the fact that it's essentially trying to gatekeep. I think it's essentially uh, it's essentially sensing some kind of vibe shift that. That if we're not in 2017 anymore, that essentially uh, uh, expressing opposition to gender pronouns is not really the the highest or like most dangerous or more uh, effective form of dissent. I mean, we we kind of like move past behind. most reasonable people and most mainstream people actually kind of again. You see, you see people like Barry Weiss and 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 Bill Mayer even like uh, you know occasionally. Uh, criticizing the walk. So I mean, we're pretty much beyond I mean, that. J.K. Rowling is against us at this point, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's how mainstream opposition to this is. Yeah, Elon Musk. I mean, Elon Musk literally yeah, just right. and he hates the walk. Right. Uh, and I think that it goes, yeah. So I think, I think, I think that's, that's really the real reason why he's generalizing. I don't really think he's completely unaware of the difference between a troll that just like pretty like some random guy that just wants to like troll or like you know show his worst impulses or just like say things without any sort of like accountability and uh, and uh and anonymous accounts that i mean he must have come across some kind of like anonymous account he's not in our sphere but he must be aware there are some like quite popular accounts that have been creating content that have been writing anonymously uh pseudonymously that have been like building an audience like he must be aware of that so i think he's is uh, it's is even more dishonest than his looks. His attack on anonymity, precisely because I think he's trying to gatekeep rather than actually uh, identifying some kind of like phenomenon, phenomenon or not. Yeah, and it's particularly gross for a guy who lives in a country that just stole the bank accounts of protesters, not this, just them, but their families and people who were trying to support them and actually sent like, you know, agents of the state to go beat them. Like he, he's talking about how you need to stand behind your word and you need to have the courage of your conviction. But when these guys were doing exactly the things that he suggested in real life under their real names, he basically told the truckers go home and he didn't have any support. He hasn't been out there raising funds or fighting for these people's rights or any of this stuff. He he's willing to complain about anonymity, but he's not willing to do anything that might alleviate the cancel culture and the genuinely totalitarian state oppression aimed at people in his country who follow his advice. And I'm sorry, that's cowardly at that point. Like that, that's, that's just ugly. Like, it's one thing to say, okay, I disagree with this. And so I'm going to do everything I can to support you and make sure that you have the right to speak up and do, you know, what you need to under your own name. It's another thing to, you know, just throw shade at people and then cowardly, you know, tell them to retreat in the face of following your advice once the consequences come due. Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, he's, uh, he has done it before. He's done it with the... I think with the vaccines, it was I think pro, pretty pro vaccines. Um, I guess it makes sense because like it's, at the end of the day, he's a liberal and he believes in like the enlightenment, the values of the, the enlightenment and science and all of that. Uh, so, but but he has done it before. I mean, it's you know it's quite telling. After he posted that tweet, like I went through his timeline, which I never do. Uh, after he posted that, you know, the tweet that you know essentially anonymous trolls are basically like demons and they're they're like psychopath and they're 
and, and all that. It's like, well, okay, then what is like the most meaningful form of dissent? And I went for his timeline. It's like the next tweet was like in reply to the Babylon Bee, essentially posting just another article about criticizing gender, you know, prominent people. And he was like replying, like, well done, guys, keep up the boot work with a smiley face. It's like, is this like the is this what we're supposed to do? So is this is this it? This is it? This is how the the our dissent should look like, essentially. You know, making jokes to like you know blue-haired gender people with the with pronouns in their bio is that is that it right? Uh, so I think it's, it's definitely there's definitely some some cowardice on his part. I don't mean to call him like a coward, like because he has done you know I'm willing to recognize he has done some some like in a set some like very interesting positive things. I was myself actually one of the first people that came across him, and I actually enjoyed his lecture a lot. And then he started like commenting on, on politics, and he became pretty cringe pretty fast. But uh, it's, it's, it's I don't know how much is tied to this uh, uh, tied to this the fact that he's actually publishing uh, that he's actually using his real name and sort of like he's he's pretending to uh, be uh, expressing his own opinion as opposed to like um, you know policing himself or or, or, or whatnot. I don't I don't know exactly what 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 factor the fact that he that he's uh, like a public figure and his own name with a face out there plays a role in this but it's definitely he's definitely not willing to it's definitely not willing to take his ideas to the to the to this natural conclusion and 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 uh and being as intellectually honest as he can be for obvious obvious status um purposes right he's obviously concerned about mainstream respectability he's obviously wants to keep appealing to the masses he wants to be invited to the to all these events and and just like most most social climbers political commentators really do and so there's there's some there's definitely some cowardice on, on his end so uh, i think one of the things that you mentioned while you were talking about anons is interesting too to explore because you mentioned having experts who otherwise couldn't speak um write very essential pieces uh, uh pseudonymously and I think that's really important because in our culture where the experts are the high priests, right? Well, if the experts say, the experts didn't say, the experts believe this. And, you know, in this culture where the the expertise is supposed to grant some kind of blessing from above on, on your words, there's a lot of pressure inside lots of these disciplines to tell people to shut up, sit down and just parrot whatever woke stuff is coming down the pipeline who cares what the data says suppress the data if you need to rewrite it we we have we have uh you know social scientists who have to completely like um uh trash studies and papers that they've submitted and completely like rewrite the whole thing putting emphasis elsewhere and changing the data just so the reports don't say the things they don't want them to say right and so when you have this kind of incredible internal pressure on experts to conform and come up with exactly the narrative that they're supposed to, the, the anonymity or the pseudonymity is really important because they can still deliver that, you know, they can deliver the data and they can deliver the knowledge in a way that makes it clear that they are someone who is familiar with and has expertise in there, but without having to pull their credential and put them that completely on the line. Because once they're out of it, it's not like you can go practice somewhere else. You, you've been outed as a wrong thinker and you're going to end up like, you know, Steve Saylor somewhere. So like the, the, importance of experts to be able to kind of leave that group think and actually exercise 
their expertise in a way that's valid and meaningful and reveals truth, I think is also a really essential part of, of anonymity in our time. Yeah, and I think it also allows them to uh, maintain some kind of like insider knowledge that would otherwise be lost the moment that they publish something because like they, they wouldn't be able to um, provide it anymore. I mean, the obvious example, again, is like the one that comes to mind, actually, is that the article that we published on like um, corporate medicine and the, the way that essentially the healthcare industry functions. I mean, um, you publish something like that and, and uh, under your own name, you're, essentially your career is over. And whatever else you want to publish, you essentially have to rely on what you have witnessed in the past. Uh, and but if you're careful enough, and I know you know I've met enough anonymous accounts so far, and interacted, and I got to know I've been met in, in person a few of them. I obviously won't na- make any name, but I know some of these people actually have like important positions. That's another thing that is quietly like pretty much misunderstood by the by the normie like or even like someone like Peterson that they tend to assume or portray these uh, accounts are sort of like, you know, they're all, you know, some irresponsible, you know, early 20 year old or teenager, teenage like guy lives in the, in his mother's basement and just like, you know, uh, you know, been online all day. Uh, it's not true. Like most of, most of the accounts that I've actually um, got to know, and it's, it might be because like most of the accounts that I got to know as people that we want to publish and people that we want to publish tend to be pretty decently established commentators and so people that that actually you know have published insightful things so it's quite obvious that these people are not just like some random uh or like you know some young inexperienced or, or uh, guys just like you know ranting online but um yeah i mean like that that's that's also like another like a lot of these people they really have pretty respectable uh, either academic or even like government position or like very high uh, high up in the in the tech industry for instance you know there there are people that they have some kind of knowledge or maybe they have like uh, you know experience in like in the military or whatnot and so they they can give some kind of like insider knowledge if they keep um, if they aim to criticize the very structure that they basically are involved in uh, and and keep doing in the future. Uh, while maintaining that position, so it's actually it provides the it provides us, you know, a way to get gain insider knowledge that otherwise what might not be available in a few more if they publish on their own name. Obviously, this is like a very uh, it's more like a minor um, benefit. It's not like you can't really build the whole argument in favor of anonymity based on this, but it's still like something, you know, that is that like it can be quite valuable to the discussion and the whole you know culture war thing. Yeah, it's kind of a whistleblower status, right? Like it's someone that that gets to maintain that access that otherwise wouldn't allow you to peer into those spaces. If you just have everyone who is a wrong thinker immediately declare, you know, their, their thought crime, they all stand up, they all get filed out of the room. And then these people get to continue doing what they're doing with literally zero chance that anyone possibly could reveal them or could you know, uh, understand what's going on, could explain it to the masses, that uh, kind of thing. So I think that is very important. And and I think at the same time, while you do have some of these guys who are very high profile and are in really important essential, uh, uh, positions and are sharing that kind of information, I think it's also really important because a lot, you know, I talked to, um, you know, Peterson's not alone. I've talked to many people at this point in mainstream conservative kind of, you know, the 
higher tiers of commentary and that kind of thing. And a lot of people have expressed the sentiment to me like, well, we just need everybody to kind of go out there and speak the truth, you know, and if just everyone would go out there and say the truth in the real life and everyone would just stand up, then, then things would get fixed. But the thing, and, and maybe it's because they're kind of separated from the day-to-day -day life. Maybe it's because they don't, you know, that it's been a long time since maybe they have been in a position where, you know, their family might not eat if they get found out, you know, if they're, they're, they may not be able to pay the mortgage, that kind of thing. They don't realize what it's like out there. You can't ask, each person to like charge a machine gun nest alone, right? Like you might be able to get guys to charge a machine gun nest. If you can guarantee that most of them are going to survive it and they're going to do something important, but you can't just get people one by one to run in and get mowed down and expect anything to change. Right. If you don't have a network, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a way that the people standing up and, and being counted and saying something like that, matters you can't actually advance the ball you can't protect people who take the hit then people aren't going to do it right and you can talk about the need for courage all you want but if you have no plan for victory you're just asking people to martyr themselves for nothing and i think that's a really important aspect of this thing that a lot of people don't get into if you want people to be able to speak the truth in person then you've got to do the groundwork to make it count. You've got to make a difference. And if you can't do that, you shouldn't be going after people who are just trying to express the truth in a way that still allows them to go home to their family at night and make sure that everybody eats and everybody's got, you know, a house, you know, a roof over their head. Yeah, totally. But I think like this like boils down against what we're what I what we were talking about earlier, I think. Like, like you say, like and I don't mean necessarily like to criticize and to generalize this sort of like criticism towards anyone in the like somewhat mainstream uh, conservative right-wing movement because actually there are plenty of people that I respect and they are, I think they are doing like truly courageous or like they, they're, they tend to be very truthful and genuine in their in what they do. But I mean, again, like this this argument that you just said that you, you've heard people making, again, it's like, like it fails under scrutiny, really, because like against it boils down to what exactly are the real consequences for you to say that. Uh, so you know, if someone like if someone like I, I actually can use myself as an example, which I publish, I put my face out there, I publish under my real name. Like if I say uh, something that is controversial, that might attract some like negative attention by. The mainstream but it's uh and, and i generally try to speak truth to power there is a risk but because i'm involved in like the commentary and the publishing industry and the political debate uh to some degree i'm not a public figure but to some degree i mean i'm involved with that there's actually also like a reward and so you're you can't just like say that that's that's basically what everyone can do because most people are not involved and so like right. you can say like before everyone just do that, you know, the, the baker on the street, then the, the normie type, the soccer mom, and, you know, the soccer mom tends to be liberal, but like, you know, like random normie people, they, they, they don't really have that kind of like reward structure that we have. Like we get potentially, hopefully defended by other people and therefore our sort of like credibility increases among our sphere and then we get invited to talk to podcasts and then we get more attention to our work. And I mean, take someone like Andy No, right? uh the, the 
the Antifa, anti-Antifa journalist. I mean, that the best thing that ever happened to his career was getting, you know, basically uh, uh, attempted to get canceled and basically on is is still kind of brave what he did because they almost tried to kill him. Yeah, he got him. physically assaulted multiple times. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was to some degree is the best thing that ever happened. So that why there is truly a risk, and so they take some kind of like bravery to say to uh, speak truth to power or like oppose the the, the current regime. There's also like a reward that you can't, that there is there for the, those of us uh, that are involved in the industry, but there is not, it's not there necessarily for someone that either doesn't have a following already, and therefore it can just like been identified as somebody uh, by some like some co-worker or somebody that knows him, that knows who he is in real life, or just like some normie type that essentially is not, you know, is not it really, doesn't really have any connection to public figures or like people willing to defend himself who probably wouldn't even notice that he's, that he's getting persecuted for, for what he said. So, yeah, I mean, like this is, this is, this is partly what people, uh, this is part of the problem uh, with the, with the argument against, uh, with, the, with this idea that you can just like uh, essentially sp uh, tell the truth and come out against uh the, the 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 tyranny of our time the soft tyranny that we're going through um that that people like the conservative movement and the conservative figures make when they speak about you know using your name this is they they tend to assume that is available to everyone and that pretty much everyone would uh, be able to to become who they are and some kind of like you know protective figure released by, by in our own circles or whatnot but in reality it's not available to most people yeah yeah the, the, not everyone can spin cancellation into a book tour and celebrity and 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 raising their profile and becoming you know it, it's one of those things where you know I, I was a jpeg for a long time on the internet because you know i had a normal job that had nothing to do with media and if you know, I was, you know, in a situation where that came out, I would have, you know, very likely been fired for, you know, what I was doing. I got very lucky that, you know, kind of the skill set I had allowed me to turn that into something, you know, like you're talking about now. But the average person at my job would have just been completely devastated, right? There just would have been none of this idea, ability to like turn that into a, you know, a book or a podcast or, or something like that. And so you've got to have a plan. You got to understand people like that. You can't just assume that like everyone, you know, like you said, everyone's just going to launch a career off of, off of being uh, canceled. That that's not how it works. Um, but I, I think we've touched a lot on the the whole synonymous thing and, and and anonymity i want to ask you one more thing before we kind of wrap things up guys if you have any questions for myself or mark you can go ahead and drop those in the chat here i see uh santa claus is visiting us uh big man i really appreciate you uh coming by i know you got a lot of work to do here uh thanks for showing up at chat he's always a, a great supporter of the channel uh but uh mark before we go i i you're the first physical issue because it's been mostly a mo an online publication. But the first physical issue that you guys did was about the need for art and kind of creativity, right? And you guys did that in a way that, oh yeah, got it in front of you. There you go. Yeah, good good salesman knows what he's doing here. But um, <laughs> so but Gary, someone else. Well, but the, the nice thing is you, you, you really took the time and it's very important. You didn't just gather essays on beauty and art you put it together in a way that's very uh, aesthetically compelling, right? It's, it's one of those things where you could pick up an issue of a very high quality, you know, fashion magazine and look for those kind of photo spreads. And it's the, the same kind of thing happening 
but with essays on like why it's important for the cultural right to produce this kind of thing. Can you talk a little bit on the importance of kind of beauty and art and why it's not just the ideas on the paper but mat that matter, but why those things are compelling and, and kind of move things forward for people in our areas? Totally, yes. Um, um, there's actually like this, I guess, I don't know how popular saying, but like I heard it say, said before, like if you come across like an Anglic website, it's probably conservative. <laughs> yeah, Yarvin uh, said that. that you can judge the conservative, the conser the uh, how conservative the website is about how terrible the graphic design is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like I, I noticed this when I when I began to like starting to think about launching a publication. Like I knew that I I, I wanted to take care of the aesthetics aspect. I mean, it's part of I guess uh, my inclination. I guess always to. Uh, I, I like aesthetically pleasing things, and so I was inclined to want to do that anyway. But I also noticed that most of the websites that I was following, I mean, there were there was great content in it. Uh, uh, although, I, as I said, like they weren't like taking it as as far as I wanted to, but still, like there was con there was pretty good content, but it wasn't like necessarily supported by a look and feel or aesthetic, whatever you want to call it. That so like projected that kind of. Uh, respectability or I guess credibility that like a good looking website might give you. So that's why I, I knew that I was going to try it at least to the best of my ability. You might not like the way that I, we, that I take care of the, the aesthetics of the, the project in general, but what is like the print edition of the website. But I definitely, you can tell that I definitely take a lot of care and put a lot of thought into that aspect. And, uh, and I mean, they, 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 the importance, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, like you said, uh, if you speak about, beauty and if you speak about the importance of beauty but then you neglect the way that you present your idea about beauty whether it's like on, online or like in print it's like don't you lose some kind of like credibility uh when it comes to like making an argument for beauty so there has to be combined um uh, in terms of like how to persuade a larger public to care about beauty and to uh even like increase your own credibility because like people you know you look at you come you know you go on like a liberal outlet and they tend to be quite nicely curated from an aesthetic perspective and you know almost like instinctively gives you that extra credibility um that that you know you instantly gain by by coming across this website whatever uh, as opposed to whereas like if you come across some like very purely curated website from an aesthetic perspective you immediately like what is this is this like some random uh blogs do, uh, dude's blog or is this like uh just some like a student's thing going on like you it's like psychologically works also on, on a credibility level i guess you say but yeah i mean like when we decided to do the the art and literature issue like i said this before it was actually an interview that we conducted with mike anton uh more than a year ago now and then we sort of like so, somewhat randomly started talking about the the importance of creating art and creating uh, also like combining your political uh, your efforts into uh, um, affecting policies as much as your effect on uh, your efforts in creating culture that can affect opinions uh, and 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 we started talking about that and you mentioned like the problem of like patronage networks and I and I was kind of like fascinated by the by the attention that that little segment in an otherwise like very long and very great interview because like Mike Anton is just like um 
impressive really like the way how fast he can think on his feet and all that so it was a great interview but that little segment got, got a lot of attention and that's that's when i knew that was going to that was going to be something that we we needed to explore even more and it was clearly like a like a, i guess like unex, um unexpressed consensus among most of the people in a sphere that was some kind of problem with the with the art creation and culture productivity of of the right in general Again, like this, this obviously like the giant elephant in the room when you talk about this, like you can't help but dress, obviously the, or I guess to clarify, we're not really talking about politicizing art and making like art that is political, but we're, we are talking about creating art that can move people and that can actually be truth to human nature and, and, uh, and, and, you know, touch people touch people at, the, at their deepest level. And, and I, which I, you know, I tend to make the argument that usually that kind of art tends to be art that's on our side, because obviously we tend to think of ourselves, of people that, that are on the on, on the side of the truth and the side of human nature and the side of God and all of that. So that that's basically when I when we started thinking about the print edition. And, uh, and so, yeah, as you said, I, I, I wanted to combine something aesthetically, aesthetically pleasing not, and, and not just like some argument in favor of it, just presented in like the cheapest way possibly that I could find to print with the some random images that you find on like free images to stock website thing or like the first image when you Google like a keyword on Google or something. I knew that I was going to be pretty selective. It's just like the, the same way that has been pretty selective on the website. And so, yeah, I like to think that, you know, I got... It got pretty good reception and, and, and a lot of people like complimented on that. So I guess it kind of succeeded to some degree. Yeah, I, I think it might sound obvious for some people, but for those of us who are particularly um, naturally affected by efficiency brain, like the need for beauty isn't, you know, it's often pushed, it's, it's often knocked down in our society, you know, like, you know, it, it, it's especially you, you doesn't matter what it matters, just the function. You don't have to worry about the form. You don't have to worry about the, the aesthetics of the thing. You don't, you know, it, you don't have to have the beauty because the thing works and that it might seem obvious that beauty is important, but it is something that I kind of came to a realization to in a more true way. Like, of course, like any person, I, I preferred beautiful things, but but thinking about beauty is something that is a good unto itself and matters and, and, and can make a stronger argument than a well-crafted essay or, or speech or something is not something that I think I had given sufficient enough weight until the last few years. So I, even though it might feel obvious, I think that uh, there are still lots of people who need to hear that, that like beauty is its own argument. Um, and yeah. and that pairing that that and like you said, not politicizing that beauty, but letting that beauty speak truth into things that will then manifest themselves in the world around you, in cultural culture, and then eventually in political movements. I think is really essential. Yeah, absolutely, I, I 100% agree, and that that's basically the reason why uh, why I try to. That's more like my end of things when it comes to like the project. I, I, written before interviewed people etc but i do like my, my main contribution is literally taking care of like the aesthetics aspect as well obviously like coordinating commission all of that but my my input in terms of like creating content is more like designing the, the print edition and taking care of the aesthetic. And i do it for that reason like you said yourself like beauty is, uh, is an argument in of itself like it doesn't really need and people like instinctively know can tell what is beautiful and what is not mm -hmm. uh, you know like you have all these like modernist architect architecture 
guys or like they they try and make all these like crazy arguments in favor of like you know brutalist architecture in a, as a form of beauty or whatnot then why is it that you know people would, would, would like normie types when it comes to like i live in budapest currently but like i come from italy they, they when you when come to italy don't photograph brutalist architecture like none of them they always go after like beauty they all go also like you know traditional beauty or like actually like physical beauty people are just like naturally attracted to that no matter um, no matter how much time uh, uh, how much you try to re-engineer that people are instinctively and naturally attracted to things that are universally beautiful and and uh, and i think that our job as conservative right wingers or you want to define yourself if you're on the side of beauty and you're right and you're if you're on the side of the truth yeah you, you you cannot neglect the aesthetic and and, and beauty aspect of like your content production that it has to be it has to be central um in my opinion as much as as he put it as much as it is the quality of the actual things that you're saying and those things those two things have to be combined in my opinion absolutely all right well we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up here guys thanks for coming by uh really appreciate uh the audience here and actually we've got santa here, uh, like I said, we really appreciate your your contribution, sir. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. This will be the last show before uh, Christmas, so just want to wish everybody Merry Christmas. Really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, sticking with the show, watching, listening, supporting all that stuff throughout the year. Mark, for people who want to find, obviously, you know, I am seventeen seventy six, but like, uh, is there anything exciting coming out? Anything you want to tell people about? Promote anything coming up that they should go check out? Well, actually, the is the I guess the the second issue. I sent you a copy. You haven't received it yet. Have I haven't you? gotten it yet. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I yeah. So to uh, uh, we've got we just released essentially our second issue uh, on Florida. If people want to buy that, they can do that and support our project. And uh, I guess really that's it. I mean, we got some really good articles lined up as usual, so they're gonna be coming out soon. Uh, we'll take a little break of the holidays period. So um, yeah, that's it really. Um, they can find our work on im7076.com and uh, same on Twitter, im slash lower slash 7076. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for watching and really appreciate Mark coming on. As always, Merry Christmas and we'll talk to you next time.